first time I ever identified with a Disney princess <laughs> was last fall. I was trying to be a good dad, and a movie came out that I had absolutely no interest at all in going to see. And like a good dad of, of two girls, um, I decided to take my, my kids to go see Moana. And I'll be honest with you, I spent that section of the movie pretending like tears weren't in my eyes. As this young girl, this character, um, she sang about a calling that she had in her life that she just couldn't run away from. And that wasn't just true for something I felt personal, but I thought about our church. And I thought about the calling he's, he's got for us. That storyline about discovering and living out your calling is a storyline that our church has been called into Back in the fall of 2007, armed with the confidence that God was calling us to become a church that honored the name Emmanuel, we set out on a journey. We've got a picture from one of our very first services over at Chippewa Middle School. There it is, back in our early days. And back then, almost all of us were new to church planting. Almost none of us had ever done that before. Some had, but, but very few had. Almost all of us were new to this covenant denomination. Almost all of us. And almost all of us were new to trying to do a church without a building. But what we did have are those guiding principles that you see there up on the banners. And that hasn't changed. Those are still three things that we want to be true about who we are and where we're going. We want to love God. We want to love others. And we want to follow Jesus. Well, we have learned a lot of things since then, and I want to encourage you to, to write this down in your notes as we hit this milestone here. Emmanuel turned 10 this year. We have a couple different birthdays, a couple different milestones about whole turning 10. There's a process that happens, but we turned 10 this year. And 10 years later, we are as committed to loving God and loving others and following Jesus as we've ever been. And, and we have a deeper understanding of what that means for this church. Well, the covenant denomination is one of the pace setters when it comes to church planting. And in the covenant, year 10 is when you put on your big church pants. It's time to grow up. That's what they, they say, and, and I believe that to be true. So there's a place to write this in your notes. It is now time for us to sunset our identity as a church plant and to fix our eyes on new horizons. Now, I purposely chose the word sunset as I reflect on the past. Because sunsets are beautiful, aren't they? They're beautiful. And I know so many of you, so many of you there from, were here from the start or very early on, and we've got some beautiful memories together, some amazing, beautiful memories. Well, over the course of this year, one of the things we're going to do is look west at that sunset. And we're going to mark those moments and we're going to capture those, those lessons that we've learned so that on the next stage of the journey, we can, we can be sure to apply them along the way. But we're also going to be looking this year and from here on out towards the east on the sunset because a brand new chapter starts next week, doesn't it? As we launch into a new season together. What I'd like to do this morning is to tie the two together. Let's, let's connect our past to our, our future. Now, to do so, we could continue on with the Moana storyline, but that's fictional. So what I want to do is jump over to a guy, a true story, Moses. And let's connect a little with that story, some true events that really happened 3,000 years ago. Now, if you like alliteration, 
You're going to be happy today because we've got three M's for you. We started with Moana. We're moving into Moses. And before we're done, we've got sweet Marthas. So we've got, we got some M's we're going to be working with if you're into that kind of thing. Here we go. Moses. Let's talk about Moses. Moses had a calling that can be traced all the way back to his birth. God was with Moses. And an Egyptian pharaoh's plan backfired when God used Pharaoh's own decree to provide Moses training right in the Pharaoh's court. If you have your Bible with you, let's take a look at this, some of the training that he received. Let's turn to Acts chapter 7. Uh, if you're new to our church, one of the things that's true of us as a church is that we want to get the word of God into everyone's hands. And so each and every week we do our best very early on. I can't remember if this was week one or not, but very early on we started giving Bibles away. And we have a stack of them there at the, the table on your way out. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love for you to, to take one with you. All right, let's look at chapter uh, 7 of the book of Acts, and let's get some insights here into Moses and his calling and his life. Acts chapter 7, we're going to look at first at verses 21 and 22. All right, so Pharaoh's daughter adopted Moses and brought him up as her own son. And Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was mighty in his words and in his deeds. Now, one of the things that, that may be true is if, uh, that, uh, if they show Moana up in the heaven AMC, um, I wonder if Moses would have teared up a little bit on that clip too, as he thought about that calling on his life that started really early that he couldn't run from. There was a point at Moses' life where he realized he was called to do more than walk like an Egyptian. There was a calling. (laughs) Someone actually got that in this. All I got was an eye roll from my wife last last service. (laughs) Thank you for that courtesy chuckle. All right. There was a calling on Moses' life. And the historian Luke tells us what happened when Moses took his first conscious steps towards that calling. So let's continue on here with verses 23 and 24. Look at this. When Moses was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brothers, the children of Israel. And seeking or seeing and seeing one of them wronged, he defended the oppressed man and avenged him by striking down the Egyptian. So here's what happened. At age 40, after 40 years in the Egyptian court, he realized he had to go a different direction than those around him. And he had to take a step towards an uncertain future. And that step resulted in what looked like a big step backwards. A big step backwards. Backwards, Because those of you who are familiar with the story know that Moses went from being this mighty Egyptian mighty man to a shepherd for his father-in-law's sheep. Imagine what that would look like on your resume. 40 years. I'm in the Egyptian royal court. Next 40 years. I'm living in my father-in-law's basement. Tending sheep. I had a flashback when I was working on this message and I was remembering back to this very specific thing that happened. I was, I was working at a really large church at the time and, and I was standing in the back of an auditorium. It was the chapel over at, at North Heights. So I was standing in the back and I'm watching as this program is unfolding. I'm just standing in the back because it's being run by the teenagers. hundred seventh graders were in the room and it was being led by these teenagers that were leading this incredible program. And while that was happening in that room, there was about 200 high schoolers and they had a whole other thing going on and it was amazing. 
And while that was going on, there was 208th and 9th graders who were all in small groups, each one with leaders who were helping them, caring for them, loving on them, helping them to navigate their lives. And I'm standing in the back of this chapel going, God, you are just so awesome. Look at what's happening here. And I heard this still small voice say, do you trust me enough to serve me in a small church? Man. I want to encourage you to to write this down. There's a place to do so in your notes. Every time you move forward, you leave something what? Behind. Isn't that true? Including the best things in life. Every time you move forward, you leave something behind. And the reason I tell this story is because almost everyone in this room has a similar story. You left something behind to journey with us. Many of you left behind buildings that you helped to build and furnish. Many of you left behind programs that you helped to develop. Hardest for most people, you left behind relationships that date back decades. And many of you, if you're, you're not believers, you left, at least you weren't at the time, you, you left behind paradigms that you were really comfortable with of how life work, works to do something that felt like starting over. That's hard. That's always hard. Well, if we had time to keep reading in Acts, we would see that it was 40 years between the time Moses left Egypt and when he encountered God in the burning bush. 40 years. And for so many of us, we look at that and go, that's a lot of wasted time. 40 years. But here's what God saw. God began with the end in mind. He knew that Moses needed those 40 years getting trained up in the Egyptian court. He knew that Moses needed those 40 years of detox from that and learning lessons in the wilderness. And God knew that there was another 40-year season coming because in Deuteronomy, we read that Moses didn't die till he was how old? Does anyone know? 120. So there was 40-year season that God was preparing, a significant 40-year season that God was preparing Moses for. And there were lessons to be learned in the Egyptian court, and there were lessons to be learned in the fields of Midian that would come together to prepare Moses for that season to come. And as Moses began that third season, not knowing fully what would come his way, he said this to God, Exodus 33:15, If your presence will not go with me, Don't bring us up from here. Shouldn't that always be our prayer? (laughs) If your presence doesn't go with us, I don't want to go there. If, if, If there's a decision before me, God, and your presence won't go with me, I don't want it. But if you'll go with me, no matter what you ask, I'll go. Well, it's time for Emmanuel to begin a new season. God's been with us from the beginning and he will be with us in this season ahead. And this unexpected church planting season that we didn't go looking for has equipped us with at least three assets that we're going to look at today that are going to serve us well in the season ahead. And if you love alliteration, let me tell you something. You're going to get giddy now because we don't just have three M's. We got three C's now coming your way. Three C's. <laughs> Here's the first. There's a place right in your notes. God has equipped us with three key assets. And the first is greater clarity. Greater 
clarity. When we launched Emmanuel, there were about a dozen things that we set out to do. We wanted to keep everything real and authentic. We wanted God's word to provide the standard for everything we do. We wanted to be intentional and purposeful in all things. We wanted accountability. We wanted to make sure that there were checks and balances all over our organization. We wanted to um, be sure that we didn't duck the hard stuff that we were going to call people to be fully devoted followers of Jesus. We want to do the best we could to take care of our kids. We wanted to be the people who showed the utmost respect for God and people and property. We wanted to draw from the best of the old and the best of the new. We wanted to keep church politics, ugly church politics, out of this congregation. And we didn't want to simply outsource our outreach. We wanted to challenge everyone who calls Emmanuel home to be personally engaged in real needs around us. We believe that a church can be relevant and reverent. We believe that a church can grow without targeting a narrow demographic. We had all kinds of dreams and values, and God began providing opportunities for us to apply them, but also refine them. And then he taught us a whole lot of new things along the way too, and still is today. He added to these things right from the start. And I was thinking back to our very first church service at Chippewa Middle School, Sunday, September 9th, 2007. And because this was our first time doing this on a Sunday morning, we thought, let's book the room on Saturday. Let's book the auditorium so we can set everything up, test it, and see how it works. So we show up on Saturday at Chippewa Middle School, and it was basketball tryouts. And have you ever been to Chippewa Middle School at basketball tryouts? Can I see a hand? Okay. It's crazy. The whole place was just crawling with all these people. And in my head, I'll be honest with you, my first reaction was, it'd be a whole lot easier if all these people weren't here. Exactly. Exactly. And I started to realize, wow, I need to detox from church really bad if that's my mindset isn't that exactly where a church should be where we are living out our faith where people are doing life that's what Jesus did isn't it so here's something I said I I rewrote my, my sermon that night and I included this this is word for word cut and paste out of my message I said this, I said, I know this is just our first date as a congregation, but let me tell you where we're coming from right from the start. ECC is not going to be a safe, sheltered church that tries to hide in some make-believe little world. Jesus' intent was for his followers to shine like a city on a hill at night. Too often believers run from the night like it's a dark cloud that's come to rain on their picnic. You go, younger me. You know, <laughs> wow, <laughs> I said that and I should have said that because it's the truth. And, and one of the things that's been true over this season that we've been in is we've been unlearning a lot of important unlearnings. We've been unlearning things about buildings. We've been unlearning things about budgets. We've been unlearning things about leadership structures. We've been unlearning things about programs. We've been unlearning things about memberships that automatically renew. And as I was reviewing my notes for this morning, I realized something. This is probably the most important, at least for me personally, unlearning that I unlearned or I'm in the process of unlearning. And this one is this morning. This was retyped this morning. I was thinking about the three C's and it didn't hit me till this morning that capacity 
isn't one of them that I'm going to give you today. That's a big deal for me. Let me tell you how significant that is as best I can here. Only 10% of the churches in the United States average more than 350. When we started, we were at about 160, and today we regularly exceed 500. And so, as a driven, competitive, achievement-oriented, type-A personality, for me to not say, guess what? We're going into this new season with all kinds of capacity that we never had before. For that to have not even made my radar? That's a good thing. Because the Egyptians had capacity. And what did they use their capacity to do? Build their own kingdom. And King Solomon and King Herod, Herod the Great, they had capacity. What did they do with the capacity? They used it to build their own kingdom. And their kingdoms fell. Capacity matters. But Moses had more capacity with only his shepherd's staff and his faithful teammate Joshua than Pharaoh had with all his wealth and all his might because God was with him. Can I get an amen? Capacity is important, but it is secondary to these other three C's. So there's another lesson. We're still learning these lessons, even Sunday morning. While we've been unlearning some lessons, we've been learning others. As a church plant, you got to decide why you're going to do anything, right? We had ability to question everything. So we've learned so much directly from the Holy Spirit and from the scriptures, from the incredible family of churches that we're a part of, from experts like Jack Welch, Jim Collins, Patrick Lencioni, and from one another. We're heading into this new season with a renewed understanding that facilities should facilitate greater goals, with a renewed commitment to real holistic discipleship, with a renewed commitment to exceptional stewardship, with a renewed commitment to substantive outreach, with a renewed commitment to the six things that every church must do, with a renewed commitment to big church quality and small church feel, with a renewed commitment to extending grace and welcoming people home with a renewed commitment to challenge one another to honor God with everything, with everything. Ten years ago, we set out to love God, love others, and follow Jesus. We're still committed to that, but we have a deeper understanding of what that means for our church, for Emmanuel Covenant Church. I came across this quote a week ago. Healthy congregations know who they are and how they are different from other congregations. In fact, some churches even use the word special sauce to describe the unique blend that makes them who they are. Well, here's one of the challenges with our church. Our special sauce has a lot of ingredients. Here's a copy of, um, or here's a photo of my desk on Wednesday. This is my desk. The only thing I changed was I added the sweet Martha's cookie and I put some of the books that I was thinking about there in the field of view. That's my desk. And most of those post-its each have one of our ingredients on it. Most of those, that's one of the things that makes our church what it is. This is a church where we want parents to know that their kids are going to be safe. This is a church where hymns are still sung and the Lord's prayer is still taught. This is a church where we want our doctrine to be sound and our sermons to be substantive. This is a church that welcomes prodigals home. We could go on and on and on and on. There's all these ingredients and if you take any of them out, we're, we're not really who, who, who we are. So I, I thought, let me, let me give this illustration on, on, on why this, this stuff matters. And here's where we get to sweet Martha's. Sweet Martha's cookies. I was talking... Um, to, uh, to Emily Herman before the first service. And, and she said, you know, the line for Sweet Martha's Cookies yesterday at the State Fair 
one of the lines was 90 minutes. One person spent 90 minutes. I don't know if they don't know how to do lines at the fair or what, but one person waited 90 minutes. Here's why we're going to talk insider, inside baseball for a minute, but you can't have baseball if you don't have inside baseball, right? So let's talk about our church. Um, Here's why this consistency thing matters. In fact, if you want to put up the next slide, where we're going to go next here with one of the assets we're bringing is empowered consistency. Empowered consistency. Here's why this matters. Imagine you're in line at Sweet Martha's for 90 minutes. You get all the way to the front of the line and you hand them your $10,000, right? For your little bucket of cookies. And they hand you the cookies. But... Because the person cooking these cookies didn't follow the recipe, the cookies taste horrible. You just wasted 90 minutes of your life for horrible cookies, right? And let's pretend you go down to this line. So I'm going to try it again. Get back in line. 90 minutes later, you give another $10,000. And, and you get your, cook, your cookies and you open it up and it's not cookies. There's a hot dog in there. <laughs> because these pop people thought, oh, they, what they really want is a hot dog. So let me give them a hot dog. Do you see why consistency matters? So here's what I want to do. We're going to provide a consistent experience for our kids. And I'm going to ask Dan and his team to come back up. And uh, they're going to hand out these lollipops. Not just any lollipops. These are ring pop lollipops in assorted flavors. And so kids, if you want to put up your hand, they're going to give you each one of these little lollipops. So you've got something to do while we talk to the grownups for a little bit. All right. And you're going to get a consistent experience because all these jars have lollipops in them. So adults, here's what I wanted us to do while they're doing that. Let's pretend that Sweet Martha's invitation was experience great cookies with us. That's their invitation. I know we got MBAs in here and we got principals in here and we got teachers in here. We got people that are leading all kinds of things, teams, got coaches. What are some of the things that have to be in place for this invitation to be received? Just shout them out. Just shout. What are some of the things that need to happen for this to happen? A good recipe. If you don't have a good recipe, you don't have, you don't have good cookies. What else do you need? What's that? Amazing, Amazing products. Good. So you don't just have to have the recipe. You have to be able to produce and have a great product. All right? What else? And you can subcategory these if you want to. What else do we need? Ingredients. Yes, we got to have good recipe. And that recipe better have good ingredients. Ingredients. All right. And then what was the other one? Process. Because to get to the product, you have to have a good process. All right. Keep going. Marketing. What was I heard? Marketing. Marketing. Yeah. People have to know. People have to know that it's there. And a lot of you guys are going crazy right now because you're going, oh, and marketing is a whole discipline in of itself, isn't it? What else? What's, what? what? Us. Us. You have to, you have to have people come. So you have to be able to get people, invite them and get them to show up. Oh, and go ahead with the people you were saying. Well, husband. The workers. Yeah, you've got to have workers. You have to have a team. Okay, what else? What else? Customer service. You have to do a great job. Or people aren't going to come back because they're like, I got a hot dog last time. I don't want to go back there. Now, we could literally, and I'm not making this up, we could literally spend years on this because that isn't that the degrees that you, you get right in mark in fact in almost anyone is a subcategory 
you could spend years on. To how, do, how do you get a team working together? If we can go backtrack a little bit to the Jim Collins quote, take a look at this. Jim Collins said this in Great by Choice. He said, we found in all our research studies that the signature of mediocrity is not an unwillingness to change. The signature of mediocrity is what? Chronic inconsistency. Let me give you a very specific example of why this matters. Imagine someone comes to one of our small groups and they open up their life and they say, I don't understand why God hasn't answered my prayer yet to cure me of cancer. And imagine in that small group setting, someone looks at them and says, well, you know what the reason is? Because you don't have enough faith. Or someone looks at that person and says, you know what the reason is? You must have unconfessed sin in your life. That happens in, in small groups all around the country. And that's just one example. Consistency matters because that isn't us. That is not our church. Imagine a church where everyone is working together for common goals. And we're not talking about cookie-cutter church. We're talking about trying to to fulfill this, this invitation that God has given us to invite people to experience God with us. And it's a whole lot more complicated, with all due respect. It's a whole lot more complicated than that. Because for us, cookies, this much of what we do. Because we had donut holes, too. And coffee. And ring fobs. All right. Let's move on to number three, because none of this matters if we don't get to our third C. And that is not an exaggeration. The next one I'm about to give you, if we don't bring this with us into our future, none of the rest matters. Here's number three. One of the things that God has equipped us with in the season that we've been in is this, a pace-setting pathway for conflict resolution. This is a key asset that we're bringing with us into this next season. If you think the lines are long at Sweet Martha's, let's go back to Moses for a minute. In Exodus 18, we read about long lines that formed every day in front of Moses from morning until night. And when Moses' father-in-law visited one day, he saw those long lines. And he said, what's the deal with all these people lining up to see you every day? And Moses said this. Here's a quote, direct transcript quote from Exodus 18.15. Moses said to his father-in-law, when they have a dispute, they come to me. Now notice that Moses used the words, when they have a dispute, not if. If Moses was our senior pastor and God's presence was as visible above the Shoreview Towers as it was on Mount Sinai, we'd still need a conflict resolution pathway. Moses needed one. When people gather, disagreement's not an if. Disagreement is a when. I heard this exchange as I was flipping channels yesterday. It's from the movie Roadhouse, which I don't recommend for family movie night at all. At all. But here's some wisdom from the movie Roadhouse. This is so good. This character Dalton is in a a, a doctor's office getting all stitched up from a fight. And the doctor says to Dalton, do you ever win a fight? And then look what Dalton says back. He says, no one ever wins a fight. 
Isn't that good? No one ever wins a fight. Nothing will derail a church or any organization or any family or any relationship or anything where two or more are gathered like unresolved conflict. Can I get an amen? If you're looking for a church that is as committed to being drama-free as humanly possible, welcome home. Because we are as committed, as committed going forward to being as drama-free as humanly possible as we possibly can. And one of the assets that we're bringing with us into this next season is lots of hard-won wisdom and next-level tools and resources and training designed to keep disagreements from escalating. And Moses and his father-in-law have a great template for us to follow. If you look at Exodus 18, what you have there is you've got this relationship that people have with one another. There's mutual respect. And father-in-law, he had a great idea. And he shared that great idea with Moses. And here's what happened. Moses, uh, it's recorded in Exodus 18.24. Moses listened. Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law. And one of the principles that we're going to work really hard at embedding consistently throughout Emmanuel is a hunger for ideas and a hunger for feedback. We continue to be shaped by ideas that people bring and resources that people recommend. In fact, one of the quotes up on the screen um, today came from a book that Susan Ward gave me just the other day or recommended just the other day. It's important to keep learning and it's important to keep growing. And, and it's important that we don't try to, to, to deliver on every expectation. If Moses changed direction based solely on recommendations, where would the children of Israel found themselves? Back in Egypt. It's important to know who God has called you to be and to pursue that course. I once heard a great story about the CEO of Southwest Airlines. I've told this probably to about half of you because I love this story. Southwest has a clear understanding of who they are. And one of their values is fun. Fun. And so their, their, their cockpits and their, 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 their planes are fun. They, they want to have people have fun. Well, one of the things that they do sometimes is when they have to give that long list of things before takeoff, they'll joke around a little bit. Well, there's one woman on one flight she wasn't having any of that. And she wrote this just, I don't know, this condescending email to, to the, the corporate offices at Southwest. And she said, I can't believe how unprofessional your staff was in such and such a flight on such and such a day because they were joking around when there were all these important things, blah, 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 blah. Well, the CEO sent her a handwritten response. It had three words on it. Here they are. (laughs) We'll miss you. God has planted a lot of great churches, each pursuing their unique calls. And we want to invite you to help us become the church that God has called us to be. Next week, we're expecting more than 100 kids under the age of 12. My wife, Laura, helped start our kids' ministry, and she was here. She goes, you know what I mean? We had when he started six. 
Can you imagine what could happen if we were as faithful to our call we, as we were then when we said, we, God, we want to, in this season, we want to love these kids and care for these kids. Can you imagine if we did everything we could to equip those kids and their families for the next 10 years? On September, I think it was 13th, Dan said that youth group is going to fire up. We're renting pretty much this entire level of the Shoreview Community Center for our teenagers. On Wednesday nights, can you imagine what could happen 10 years from now? If our teenagers started to catch a vision that Jesus' original disciples caught. This fall, Jason and Susan, they're leading a team of you, like 15 adults that were at that last meeting or on the radar? 15 groups. <laughs> there are about 15 groups that are going to be firing up this fall in neighborhoods all around. Can you imagine 10 years from now if those groups continue to catch a vision for what could happen in their neighborhoods? Wow. In October, we're going to be challenging and doing our best to equip everyone who calls Emmanuel home to personally engage in bridge building and reaching out to those who are lost and hurting. Can you imagine if everyone rose to that challenge? And I believe October is also the month when the community center breaks ground for their big expansion. The community center has a vision to make this community center a destination draw for the thousands and thousands of people living on this side of the cities. God opened these doors. He sees what the next 10 years hold. Can you imagine what could happen if we faithfully lived out our call here? Well, when we look to the West and we look at our sunset, it was beautiful. You know what else getting excited about as we look to the east at the sunrise? I sure am. Ten years from now, when that future is our past, we're going to have some incredible memories to share. Can I get an amen?